giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Victoria Guido, and with me today is Michelle Veldsman, Director of Neuroscience R&D at Cambridge Cognition and founder and CEO of Playroom, an invitation-only secure social network for your family. Michelle, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about your journey. How did all of this get started? Uh, I had some kids and realized quite quickly that raising children is really difficult. I don't have family close by to support me. They're a couple of hours away, but trying to manage being a professional working in a fairly intense job looking after my kids, making sure they have everything that they need and that they can socialize and that I have a support network around me turned out to be really difficult. And so I wanted to find a way to solve that essentially. Right. So you identified a problem from your own life in trying to manage your career and your raising your children without that close immediate support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I realized this is a problem for a lot of people that increasingly We don't live in these sort of small communities where we're surrounded by friends and family. Increasingly, people are moving to different cities, different countries, and that support network isn't there, but there's still all of the challenges of raising kids and trying to have a career at the same time. Right. And like we were talking before we recorded, I I just got back from visiting my family in Virginia, and I live in California now, so I'm familiar with some of the challenges my brother and sister-in-law are facing with childcare. Can you tell us some of the things that specifically you found really difficult in this situation? A lot of the time in my working life, I found there was loads and loads of tech to kind of try and make things easier to organize things. There's just a lot out there to support my sort of working life, but not much to support my family life, of which there are actually many, many more challenges because I'm kind of trying to juggle um, making sure that my kids get their health cares all right, that they're getting their vaccinations on time, that I'm applying to school places on time, that I'm making sure that they're you know, meeting other kids their age and they're having play dates and organizing birthday parties, all of those things. And then trying to fit that all into the kind of wider day-to-day life. I found this really difficult. I spoke to other parents and they also found it really difficult. In fact, I did some research and over 120 parents and like 70% of them found parenting really difficult or extremely difficult. Right. That's a lot of cognitive load on a person to manage all of these different things like school and medical and all the things you need to buy and (laughs) what brands are the best. Yeah, exactly. And actually just trying to build this sort of community around yourself is more difficult than you anticipate. So for example, my kids went to nursery and this is kind of the time that they're starting to socialize and making these important connections that are really important for their development. And so as a parent, you're sort of hearing from your three-year-old, oh, they've got this new best friend, but you have no idea how to connect to parents of that child. And the nurseries, uh, daycare can't give out that information because, of course, there's privacy issues. Mm -hmm. So it's really difficult to make connections to other parents to be able to do those things like play dates. You know, organizing a birthday party, I found what you had to do was just take an invitation 
give it to the nursery or the daycare center. Hopefully they put it in the bags of the children that are friends with your kids. And then you kind of hope that they've got it and the right people are coming. You don't know who's coming to your your kid's birthday party. And this just all seemed like there could be easy solutions to solve this, to really build communities around that center around your children. Right. And I love that the purpose of Playroom is to really build that community of, of social support that you need for parents. You mentioned you started to do some research on what that would look like. And I'm wondering if there was anything that surprised you as a result of that research. Yes, I was quite surprised by, I suppose, in some ways, it's reassuring, actually, as well, that a lot of parents are going through similar struggles, struggling to connect to other families, and not sort of in that way of, like, as you're, it's kind of a strange thing when you have kids, because when they're very young, you're sort of you can still socialize with your with your friends and you know people that that you meet maybe work colleagues but as they get older the focus becomes a lot more around them and their friends so making those connections are a little bit more difficult so a lot of people struggled with that um a lot of people struggled with just keeping on top of everything as you're saying that cognitive load is very large just trying to remember organizing dentist appointments doctors appointments all of those things it's a large cognitive load. And, you know, we've got enough tech now that we shouldn't have to. We should be able to put that load onto technology that can support us. Right. And so you feel like it was reassuring almost that this was a common problem and it wasn't just you. Yeah, it's, it's, it is reassuring. It's always reassuring when you connect with other people to realize that they're going through similar things. It's not just you that's, you know, somehow not able to manage it all. But the other thing I found interesting is that there's a very large spectrum of how people feel about images and media associated with their children. So Mm -hmm. you've got a really wide spectrum of people who some parents are very happy to share uh, a lot about their children's lives and their photos and things that they're proud of on the major social media platforms. And other parents are a lot more guarded and they don't want to share those pictures or, or have other people share them on platforms. So there's a massive spectrum of how people feel about the use of images and media associated with their children and also related to that of data associated with their children. Yes, and I wanted to ask you about how privacy played into your planning on how you built the application. This was uh, important to me because I, I had both that experience and also I started to become more aware of the sort of darker sides of the major platforms um, where there's perhaps not as much protection for children and that of course children can't consent so I found because having spoken to all of these parents the kind of spectrum was very wide on what people were willing to share and how much they knew about how their data was used and how how much privacy they had um, on these platforms Um, I really wanted to ensure that there was that spectrum was reflected in Playroom within the app it's built so that you have control over how much privacy, how openly your images, for example, of your child can be shared. So it can be from having any images to be shared with anybody. You know, maybe we're at a birthday party. There's a lot of children there. So there's lots of pictures where your child is in there. Some people are very happy for those to be shared. Others are not wanting that shared anywhere. So within the app, you have control over how far those sort of pictures can be shared with and with whom. 
But the premise of Playroom is that you're essentially in a network, a community where you know everybody associated with your children. So it's not that sort of massively open um, network. It's very much closed and associated with just the people you know are surrounding your children. That's great. And, you know, it's very relevant for me. I just got a new camera and I offered to take pictures for my niece's birthday party last weekend. And now I have all these photos and I'm not sure how to share them with the parents and in a way that would be like secure and, and provide those options. So it, I can understand the value of what, what you build here. Within Playroom, there are bubbles. So if your child, for example, goes to nursery or daycare, they usually are in a room with children of a sort of similar age a playroom that forms a bubble so the nursery gives you a secure code that connects you to the other parents in that playroom so that forms this bubble of people associated with your parents associated with your children so if you're taking photos at an event so then say you have a birthday party you take photos there are lots of other children in those photos you can share those photos with the people in that bubble and in that bubble alone and then you can set your own personal uh, media sharing settings so that you can make it clear to other parents that I don't want you to share this to wider social media, watermark everything, very strongly watermarked or not downloadable. Or I'm happy for you to share it, you know, within Playroom itself with other people that I know. So those settings are sort of adjustable depending on your preferences. Were there any obstacles that you faced from a maybe technology or a process perspective with implementing or building the app? Yeah, so there's a couple of challenges. The biggest one is is data and privacy. So, of course, security is a huge priority. That's going to be the kind of center of priorities, really, so that everything is very, very secure. Uh, you know, parents, of course, are conscious of security surrounding their children. To be honest, as I was saying before with sharing of media, it's quite on the spectrum, but either way, the priority is, is security. And then privacy. So the use of data is an interesting one because, you know, a lot of traditional sort of social networks, social media rely on the kind of monetization of data. And again, this works on a spectrum where some parents flat out don't want any data associated with their children used or monetized in any way. Others are um, a lot more liberal about that. Um, my personal view and from having spoken to a lot of parents, I think there's a good middle ground in which data is used in a responsible way for the purposes of actually benefiting parents in some way. So maybe it's the use of data rather than sort of constant targeted ads the use of data for the provision of services. Maybe within an area, you've got a high proportion of children there and there needs to be better childcare provisions or play activity provisions. That makes sense. So make the data more relevant in the way that it's used to provide better services to parents, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than that strict sort of targeted advertising. That makes sense. And so you've had to adjust your plan for monetization based on the needs of your users regarding privacy and security, which I mean, we love to hear that founders really care about privacy and security at ThoughtBot. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's really, really important. And even more so now, there's really this sort of acknowledgement of this sort of very large open networks that 
they were never really built around children, of course. I mean, why would they be? But there's been a lot of controversy recently over parents having images and and their children featuring in videos and things online that child accounts run by parents have millions of followers and that videos, images and things get saved thousands of times and commented in ways that are a little uncomfortable. So there is this sort of growing feeling that these large open networks Mostly parents just don't really know and they do when you become a parent, you're really excited and you're proud and you want to share these things with the world and perhaps don't think about those kind of darker sides of things. That's really coming into the forefront now. So I think a sort of more closed community-based network is important. I agree. I spent some time volunteering for organizations that work with children and privacy and in human trafficking situations. And when you start to understand really how dark it can get for children, maybe um, too dark for this podcast, uh, but you start to the security and privacy becomes the penultimate goal. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Thoughtbot is thrilled to announce our own incubator launching this year. If you are a non-technical founding team with a business idea that involves a web or mobile app, we encourage you to apply for our eight-week program. We'll help you move forward with confidence in your team, your product vision, and a roadmap for getting you there. Learn more and apply at tbot.io slash incubator. That's T-B-O-T dot I-O slash I-N-C-U-B-A-T-O-R. You mentioned uh, learning all of this as part of your journey on building the app. I'm curious what you brought from your background in neuroscience into the creation of the app and maybe how that played into how you built certain behaviors and things into the features. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So my sort of neuroscience background, I guess, has really informed how I think about child development and brain development and the importance of the developmental stages of socializing with children. It was always at my front of my mind. And one of the things that really spurred me on to creating this is that really knowing that as children are developing, they're learning these really important social skills. And I just wanted to foster that as much as possible. And I thought, you know, it's actually really difficult to foster that social side of things if you don't have a community naturally around you. So I guess that's the main way that it's fed into my thinking about Playroom. Other than that, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm not too sure, actually. I think it's early stages yet, but I think it will probably influence the kind of UX decisions which is a big part of uh, what I do in my sort of day job. Not the UX itself, but the kind of um, psychology and neuroscience behind certain behaviours and how we interact with technology. I love to see in, in founders and in people who find their way into technology roles usually come from a wide variety of background. And for me, neuroscience, it makes a lot of sense. And when you're doing these studies, and because you really are even, you know, from a scientific perspective, setting up a study and experiment to see how people react to it. And you're proving your theory of the, is this how people will actually relate and connect in, inside the application? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of my job is data science. So I'm uh, really excited to just get data in that I can really make decisions based on very much a kind of evidence-based person from my science background, definitely. 
Yes, excellent. And maybe you can tell me more about a decision you had to make maybe early on in the development of the app that was challenging for you or you had to put a lot of time and thought into. One of the things I found trickiest, I suppose, is this kind of being a solo founder, actually. Early on, I spent a lot of time trying to find a co-founder and I and I really wanted somebody like a sort of technical co-founder that could kind of fill the gap in that I have. I, like I don't I don't have any formal experience in app development or anything um, like that, um, although a lot of my job involves coding and, you know, the data science side of things. Yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to find a, a technical co-founder and, and just really struggled to find somebody, who, yeah, that had their kind of interest and passion and vision that would work for Playroom. And so after a while and after speaking to a couple of mentors, I decided to save that energy of trying to find somebody and just go alone for now. Still, you know, open to finding somebody who has that, uh, has a similar vision for it. But yeah, that, that was really a difficult thing. It always is being a solo founder, but I just am really passionate about it and kind of filled filled the gaps with mentors and with um, advisors who um, can kind of help me along the way. That's so interesting. I think deciding about who you're going to bring into your inner circle when you're passionate about idea sounds like a very difficult decision. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a kind of and it's this strange sort of space as well, because by no means does it need somebody who has children or, you know, has an interest there. But I think it does help with the passion because there's, you know, it's a really specific problem. And yeah, I just, just haven't found anyone yet. But you have found uh, several mentors that sounds like it's meeting your needs in that way for now. How did you go about finding the right people to give you advice in that way? A combination, really, of just kind of stalking through LinkedIn and connecting to people and just chatting to people. And then also through uh, networks of other founders and going through accelerators, uh, things like that, where I'm kind of formally introduced to mentors. They've maybe given me warm introductions. Amazing women's network uh, where people have either given warm introductions or volunteered themselves to you know, give advice. That's been really, really great. Uh, you sort of feel like you've got a community there already. That's great. And did you focus on like local groups in the UK or did you go just online virtual groups? Which was easier for you? A combination. So I went through an accelerator that was based in London. And so that introduced me to a few people kind of more locally and quite a wide network, actually. I also joined a women of colour network called Founderland. Um, they're based in Berlin and they are a really amazing support network that has quite a wide international reach, but really gives you a lot of support and guidance and is, you know, completely free and just really feels like a nice supportive community. Sounds like building a community of founders as important as building a community for people raising children, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think any aspect of your life that is difficult benefits from a community, really. Because there's in almost all areas, there's people who have gone through something before that want to make it easier for you or who are going through something at the same time and want somebody to talk to or to support each other. It's the most important thing we can be doing, right, is building community. You have your full time position and then you also have your children that you're raising and you are founding this company. 
how do you make time for yourself and for your own peace of mind in the week? <laughs> With great difficulty. <laughs> yeah, and a very supportive partner. It really struggle and things sometimes have to be slower than I would like. Um, I've got an amazing team of app developers who are absolutely brilliant and are usually chasing me rather than me chasing them, which is always really great. Yeah, again, a fantastic support network, a big community of other parent founders who know how difficult it all is. And then it's just like a lot of working, uh, you know, evenings, taking your day off to focus on things. Yes, we are learning a technique at ThoughtBot with energy coaching and coaching people on when to take breaks and how, you know, make sure you have time for lunch and take vacations and all of that, okay. uh, which I think is important to your long-term ability to maintain your momentum. Yes, definitely. But I've, I've heard from many founders, you know, that the support network is one of the most important things to be able to balance everything. Yes, it really is. Yeah, I am susceptible to burnout and I know it now and I should know better because I know the kind of neuroscience of it as well. Um, so I do have to be really careful. I don't push myself too much. One of the good things actually that like, you know, my kids are kind of school age now. So they have these half term sort of breaks. They have regular breaks from school and then summer holidays of course Christmas all of that and that sort of forces a time for you to break and then like you know spend really quality time with the kids so it's really really good in that way. I appreciate kind of an enforced time off yeah, I know, I just, <laughs> and really committing to it. I, know, it's it's, like, yeah. I just realized that. Yeah the UK people are better at that than I think in the US generally but yeah. it's certainly something I strive for. And sometimes even just going uh, to a place where there's no internet access. Oh, <laughs> so yes, yeah. Good luck trying to reach me. Yeah. Well, tell me more about your interaction with your developers team. And you mentioned how wonderful they are. What is your communication patterns with them like? Do you have regular meetings set up or what is that like? So it's a company that I met through YC's summer school program. Got sort of chatting to them they're really uh, really great with communication so we, we communicate on slack every day get updates have little videos of updates and work through any issues and then kind of w weekly meetings and yeah it's been really really positive experience I also have recently on top of being a you know, working full time and doing this and having two kids. I recently had my husband was very ill and in hospital for two months, just over Christmas, and then came out of hospital for three days over Christmas. Then I was ill and in hospital for a month. So it's been like absolutely crazy just trying to sort of look after the kids and get work going, all of this. And they've been really consistent throughout it. They've just, you know, kept everything ticking away. So that's been really, really great to have that knowing that that's you know continuing on I've had lots of kind of life things going on right that ability for the team to manage themselves and be proactive in their communication something I would always advise yeah. founders to look for in a development partner you want to see that activity on a, a daily basis and and see the product fairly often as well right you don't want to be surprised three months later with what they built and have it not be correct what you're looking for yeah it's literally been back and forth of like details that I need ironing out there's always a list that I can, can get to in my time and there's acknowledgement that I'm kind of working around a full-time job right well what are you most excited about in your features roadmap that you could share with us 
I'm so excited by all of it. I have two things that I'm really excited about. The first is the bubble. So that's just the ability to immediately to connect to parents in different contexts. So I can immediately connect to all the parents in my child's nursery. That makes it really easy to organise birthday parties, play dates in other contexts as well. So, for example, my daughter started a gymnastics course. We paid for the whole gymnastics course. She then didn't really want to do it because she didn't know anybody there. And so I think we managed about two lessons before she just really didn't want to do it anymore. And again, I had this sort of feeling that, you know, if we were able to talk to the other parents and encourage, you know, some friendships and things, that would be really helpful for her. And and just as things go along and they do become, you know, the kids do become friends. And it's nice to be able to connect to the other parents in, in those contexts as well. Same thing for like summer camps any kind of setting where your kids are making new friends and you want to get to know the parents of those friends and be able to connect to, to other families. And then the other feature that I'm really excited about is just being able to, with one click, find things nearby you, toilets, cafes, supermarkets, really easily, usually have like one holding a baby, pushing a pram, toddler has to suddenly use the toilet, no idea where to find one so just being able to one click of a button find that really near me I think will be really really useful um, so I'm really excited about that feature and I've just seen it working nicely great and then you'll, you'll get to use it in real life yeah exactly exactly <laughs> build the change you want to see in the world I love it and then if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice when this all started that now that you have this hindsight what would you tell yourself? I probably would tell myself to just keep at it, really. Maybe don't waste time trying to fill perceived gaps in your own abilities because uh, I can learn stuff <laughs> um, and I can find support, you know, in advice and mentors. So I probably that's what I would focus on. I spent, I, I spent a lot of time and energy trying to find a co-founder that would fill these gaps that I felt like I had, like I'd come from an academic and a neuroscience background less commercial experience so I worried about you needing somebody who would have that business side needing somebody to have that technical side but in fact I've got a lot of those skills from my career and from my jobs anyway I can learn a lot you know I managed to get myself a PhD in neuroscience from Cambridge University so I can probably pick things up and I also can fill in any gaps with really great mentors and advisors. I love that and I love that it's this problem that you had that drove you to find the solution and to push forward, even if you didn't know all the answers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. What does success look like for Playroom in the next six months or, or five years? Six months is having the app in some of the nurseries that we've been working with. So out with parents and making those communities. In five years, it's having hundreds of thousands of parents in communities and having them supported, connected to other parents, feeling like they have a safe space for themselves and their kids. I love it. And and maybe you can mention even more about what the impact that can have on a parent who might be struggling to keep it all together. Oh, a huge impact. So I know this personally because my husband was ill and then I was ill. So we had three months, um, you know, a five-year-old and a two-year-old 
each of us solo parenting and each of us with quite serious illnesses. And it was incredibly difficult. I was lucky enough that my next door neighbor, her kids are the same age and go to the same school. And actually, that's when I met them. So even though we were neighbors, we hadn't even met. But when she found out that my husband was unwell and I was looking after the kids on my own, really stepped up and helped, like look after my daughter, take some of the burden off of like, you know, doing all the parenting on my own, plus visiting my husband in the hospital. And then reached out to a wider community within the area, like her sort of friends that she'd known, that she knows from the school. And these parents really stepped up and helped me so much, like bringing food around and, you know, being that community that everybody wants and needs. And I feel like a lot of it came about sort of accidentally because I was in this really difficult situation, but it helped me so much I can't even like describe how much and I just think if I can do that for lots of other parents it will make a huge impact because it is really difficult for for some people for a lot of people. I I think the the impact can't be underestimated enough I, I know recently I signed up for Big Sisters in Big Brother San Diego so it's mentorship for children in the local county and taking some of the training courses they say in the U.S. alone, there's three million children who are just neglected or abused every year. Neglect could come from not having that social support network and not being able to look after your kids or not having other ways to connect with parents to get the support you need. So I think it's a really amazing product that you're building. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I completely agree. That is, there, there are so many ways that it can help. And actually, in just bringing together communities, just sort of locally around centered around your children and yeah as you're saying it's that neglect that like when when there are situations where people actually parents can't cope or need help and won't reach out or it's a sort of more natural way to have a, a community around you. Are there any other final takeaways you'd like to leave for our listeners? Well I guess for the parents parenting is hard and it can be lonely and that's okay just try and reach out to people as much as you can. And go to my Wonderful. Thank you so much, Michelle. You can subscribe to the show and find notes along with a complete transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at Victorious G. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Thank you for listening. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot, your expert strategy, design, development, and product management partner. We bring digital products from idea to success and teach you how because we care. Learn more at thoughtbot.com.